Good morning. morning. It is good to have this number out with us for our morning half of our worship service. And it's good to see all y'all. The the scripture reading this morning, I want want us to turn back there real quick. When when Brother Daniel was reading that, uh, it kind of added something to this lesson. And I want to I want to bring it to view right now. If he'd have read one more verse, just right, just one more verse. Oh, he did a he did a fine job. But just one more verse, it, it, it applies to our lesson today. Hebrews chapter two, in his readings, he read verses one through nine, but in the very next verse in verse ten. For it was fitting for him whom for who are all things, by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Bringing many sons to glory. Folks, that's you and I. Those who are obedient to his words. Those who are called his friends. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. The term friends. How many of us have good friends? Good friends that we can rely on. They and, and if you're broke down or you, or you need some help or some, you can make a phone call and they are there. They'll drop what they're doing. That's a pretty good friend, is it not? Want to help you in times of need? Be there to lift you up when you're down or vice versa. You're there for them as well. Jesus Christ looked at his disciples and he says, No longer do I call you friends. We're going to look at that verse this morning. Why does he call them his friends? He no longer calls them servants, for a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. We need to take notice of that as well. How many of us know what Christ did while he was here upon this earth? We know what he did. He lived that perfect example of a Christian life. We make reference to that often. We need to think of that often. Now we need to ask ourselves a wonderful question. Does Christ consider us his friend because in answering that question is going to be a whole lot easier to establish your Christianity whenever Christ says you are my friends he's talking about those who are believers he's talking about those who understand what Christ did he's talking about those who are willing to put away the things in their life and put their best foot forward in the service of his father that being our father as well that's God the father the one who is in heaven right now, waiting for the end of times, for he can send his son back to this earth to reclaim those who are, who are his. So in reading verse 10, notice what we're saying. For it was fitting in... Uh, artists, I think I'm sharing your vision this morning. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. We remember the things that Christ suffered. We remember his lifestyle. We remember his sacrifice upon that cross. He didn't live a spectacular life. The reason why I can say that, he made himself a servant. Remember when he was washing the disciples' feet? Remember when he was doing that and Peter says, no, 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 I need to be washing your feet. Remember what Christ said? Unless you are washed of me, you cannot be clean. Peter, of course, he misunderstood. He says, well, wash me all together. Wash from head to toe. 
He says, this is suffice. If you're washed of me, you will be clean. What a wonderful time to ask the wonderful question, right? Do you see yourself appearing with Christ in glory? Does Christ consider you his friend this morning? So as we dive into our lesson this morning, thank you, Daniel, for reading that this morning. Just one more verse, right? Just one more verse. So as we turn back to John chapter 15, and this is where Christ makes the statement to his disciples, those, some of them are going to be apostles. He calls them friends. But we're going to have to back up and get some context, and we'll kind of flip-flop a little bit as we go along. Starting in verse 9, we, we make reference to this verse often, verses 9 and following. As a father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Again, context is important. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Before we progress in our reading, I want to ask you another question. Is your joy full? I'm not saying that you have bad times and difficult things that's going on in your life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an everlasting joy. Everlasting joy comes from being obedient, knowing what God would have you to do, and doing those very things. Or knowing what God would not have you do and not doing those very things. <clears throat> that is, staying away from sin so our joy can be in us and our joy may be full. But if you notice in verse 11, whenever he says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. All right, that's faithful obedience, right? In, in, in adherence to Revelation 2.10. Be ye faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Well, that crown of life is that your joy being full. How happy would you be to hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant, on judgment day. Enter into the joys of your Lord. How happy would you be to hear those words? Just, it's inexpressible, right? We can't really fathom that thought. To be looking at heaven, being in the presence of God, we, our, our human brains can't fathom that thought. We've had sneak peeks of it. What's a happy moment in your time, in, in the time of your life? Can you name one happy moment? Well, I can, I can think of a few, but one comes to mind, and I'm refreshed to that moment almost every morning. It's Melissa. Whenever she walks through those doors, after the first stanza of Here Comes the Bride comes out, we, we had a discussion about this and kind of reflected about this example. It was in this very building, and Shirley said, You're not going to go out on the first one. You're going to go out on the second one. And somebody said, did you tear Jeremy? Uh, no. Uh-oh. He'll figure it out. I remember Shirley saying that. She, Melissa said, sure, he'll figure it out. He'll be fine. That's who Shirley was, right? So we think about this. As I was standing there waiting, and the audience was kind of looking around, and I'm, of course I'm facing the doors before they open. Doors are shut. I can't see her yet. And the first part of the song ends, and it's right before the second one begins, her Aunt Winifred, of course, my Aunt Winifred now, at that time, just her Aunt Winifred, because we hadn't said I do yet. She said, where's she at? <laughs> and then the second one started and the doors opened. How happy do you think I was? I was exceedingly happy, right? That was a joyous occasion to watch her smiling face, because she knew she done got me. 
It, it was her day, right? She got me. But that was that was a very joyous occasion in my life. I remember that very vividly. I won't never forget it. You were full of joy. Yeah. I was full of joy. She didn't run away, right? The runaway bride scenario. I was full of joy. But this this joy that Christ is talking about don't even compare to that amount of joy. There's no Christ. <laughs> so we think, right? We think about joy, a happy moment in our time. We can't even express the amount of joy that we're going to even feel much less see. Christ says, when you abide in his commandments, you stay faithful unto him, what does he say? That your joy may be full. That's the reason why I want to stop in that writing. Now verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And there's the word we're looking for this morning. Friends. Christ died on the cross so you can be his friend. So you can be faithful unto him. So you can love him just as he loved his heavenly father, right? So we look at this. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. What did Jesus Christ do? He laid down his life. He laid down his life so many sons can be brought to glory. But it does require action on our part, does it not? Did he not say, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love? In verse 10. So again, it requires action on our part. Requires faithful service to God. Now that says, that does not say we're going to be perfect. That is not what that says. Keeping Christ's commandments is to Stay away from sin or have our mindset to not sin. Are we going to fall short? Yes, we are. We're going to fall short. As it made mention continuously, I say it all the time. We are sinners. We're justified sinners as a child of God, but sinners nonetheless. To abide in Christ's love means to know what that sin does to us and want nothing to do with it. Greater love than no, has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus Christ died for you. So he can be that propitiation. So he can pay your sin debt. So you can stand before the Father on judgment day to hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of your Lord and to be shown heaven inexpressible unsearchable joy. Verse 14. Keep in mind, he's talking to disciples. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Does Jesus Christ say to worship his Father? He does. Does Jesus Christ not say to abide in his love? He does. Does Jesus Christ not command us to be God's people? He does. We need to do some reflection. Are we the Christian that we should be? The reason why I ask that question. It should be every child of God's mission to be a Genesis chapter 22 child of God. 
The reason why I say it, Genesis chapter 22, he says, what is Genesis? What's, what's in Genesis chapter 22? I know our, our, our minds and our, even mine as well, book, chapter, and verse escapes us often. So what's in Genesis chapter 22 that's so significant? It's when Abraham is killing his son because God told him to do it. He said, go offer your son Isaac as a burnt offering. That was God speaking to Abraham. Did Abraham say, no, God, my promise is through him. I can't do that. God didn't. Abraham didn't do that to God. What did Abraham do? He rose early in the morning. He didn't wait till the end of the day. He rose early in the morning, and he went. That's Genesis chapter 22. That's the reason why I say, if we do the things Christ commands us, we can be his friend. Was it not counted for Abraham for righteousness sake by his works? Sometimes we need to look at our works as well. Because that joy is there. That everyday joy is there. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Christ has given us some commands in this day and age to be obedient to. One of the big ones that comes to my mind is the Great Commission. We again find that in Matthew chapter 28. Verses 18 through 20. When Christ tells you and I to go into the world, teaching the world, creating disciples, baptizing folks, and teaching them all things that Christ has taught us to observe. He also says something significant. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the end of the age. That's what it says. I am thankful we have an opportunity to be Christ's friends. But unfortunately, there's some folks out there who don't care. And I hope they're hearing this message. Things get come between them and God. <coughs> comes comes between them and being Christ's friends. Christ wants to call you friend. All you have to do is be as obedient unto his word. So as we look at our friends, right, we look at our worldly friends. Like I said, we have some of those we depend on often. And they depend on us as well. Sometimes that's a one-way street, though. I, I know better than most. Sometimes that's a one-way street. Christ sees his friendship as a two-way street. For what he has done for us, he's already done. He went to the cross. What we must do continues to lay before us. The pathway has been set. We have to make the choice to put one foot in front of the other. Because that pathway is straight. That pathway is difficult. That pathway is narrow. For the pathway that Jesus Christ has led before us leads to everlasting life. So my question, are you Christ friends? 
He really wants to call you, friend. And then verse 15, he says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Nothing has been held back. Whenever Christ came to this earth, whenever he was preaching and teaching the kingdom of God, and folks was, of course, flocking to his side just to see him, just to hear him, and most assuredly to be either healed from him or allow somebody to be healed by him. But folks, folks was hearing about Jesus Christ, and they was flocking to him. But just by the word of mouth, folks, they didn't have cell phones back then. They didn't have no other type of communication except word of mouth. It's all they had. And the word of Jesus got out by the miraculous things that he was doing, how many folks he was helping. The word Jesus had gotten out. Today, the name Jesus is being stammered. It's been clamored up. And that's unfortunate. The reason why I say that, people don't talk about Jesus like they used to. This day and age, you almost can't say the name Jesus without offending somebody. That's sad. We should want to talk about Jesus all the time. For what he has done for us is immeasurable. He allowed us an opportunity to get rid of our sins. Keep in mind, we made mention that in the Bible class this morning, about the Jews having to roll their sins forward. They had no remission of sin, or no, no opportunity until John the Baptist come, or came and started preaching and teaching about baptism for the remission of sins. What a wonderful new thing. A way to get rid of my sins? That's awesome. When we read in the beginning of this lesson, Hebrews 10, excuse me, Hebrews 2, verse 10. To bring many sons to glory. Folks, Jesus wants to bring you to glory. We just need to start talking about it. We just need to start teaching folks about Jesus again. Paul tells Timothy, preach to them. In season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort. Can that apply to us today? I hope so. Because if we are not, we can't call Jesus friend. Yeah, we're going to have our, our friends upon this earth. But our friends upon this earth are nowhere near compared to the friend that we have in heaven. They do not even measure up. So no longer does he call them servants, for therefore a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. And Jesus con continues on and says, Everything that the Father has been made known to me, I have made you known. As he was teaching his disciples when he's walking around, and he's, he's, he's teaching many wonderful things that we don't even have an account of. He said, these things that proceeds out of my mouth aren't my words. They're my Father's and Heaven's words. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
If you believe in me, believe in the Father. If you believe in the Father, believe in me. And in verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. What's that word fruit mean? Does that mean going out there collecting apples and oranges? That is not what that means. That means our faithful works. Going right back to the Great Commission. The very first word, go, is an action. Go into all the world. Teaching. Creating disciples. That's our fruit. Going back to the parable of the true vine, which he just previously in John, whenever John's writing, was writing in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. What happens to that fruit if it comes disconnected to the vine? It withers. Those branches wither and they die. Let me get that right. Every branch that's not producing fruit is cut off and gathered together and it dies. Gathered together to be burned. So therefore, Christ says he did not, he, he didn't, we didn't choose him, but he chose us to do the work even unto this day so that the Father may give the things that we ask as we ask in Christ's name. And in the verse 17, these things I command you that you love one another. Again, talking to disciples. We had a uh, discussion this morning out there with a brother. I'm not going to give his name because we already know who it is. He come here recently, him and his wife. And they said they, they, they left the congregation because it was dying. And they went searching out and they here they found Booth Chapel. And they was welcome as soon as they come through the door. You ever been somewhere where you just didn't feel welcome? I have. You been somewhere where you just felt out of place? I have. That love echoes through time. And the benefits of it is faithful Christians. Enjoying the fellowship of other faithful Christians. That love that we share for one another goes a very long way. And y'all still here today. So we think about the love that we share for one another. Isn't it wonderful to know that we have enough love for one another to care enough for one another? Jesus Christ had great love for us. No greater love than this than to lay one's life down for his friends. Christ died for you. That's how much he loves you. You might say, oh, it goes right back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he's going to save everybody. That's, that's what that verse says. That is not what that verse says. God loves his creation enough to send his son so that those who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But we can't leave off 17 as well. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might, M-I-G-H-T, be saved. Again, requires action on our part. Verse 10 in our reading. 
Now, in our studies this morning, John chapter 15, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. So let's turn a further back. Psalm uh, 95. Psalm 95, or 95th Psalms, however you want to say it. So let's turn back there. <clears throat> I know it's a lot of turning. I'll be patient. <laughs> I love to hear those pages turning. Notice what's, notice what's written. And let this sink deep into your heart. Starting in verse 7 of the 95th Psalm. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today... If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. I said, what's the rebellion? That was when the, uh, in the when they was walking into the wilderness after they'd been released from the Egyptian bondage. And they tested and tried him. As in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me and they tried me, though they saw my work for 40 years, I was grieved with that nation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Okay. The reason why we have to add this verse, not everybody is Jesus Christ's friends. Not everybody. Not everybody is God's friends. Those who do not keep the commandments of God, do not, those who do not keep the commandments of Jesus Christ himself, does not abide in his love, does not have him, does not have the Father, and the absence of rest is what's been worn in verse 11 because of their rebellion, because they tested. They, they tested God. They tried God. They, 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 they mourned and they weeped and they, they complained all the time. Remember? They kept going back to they kept going back to Moses saying, look at what you've done. Here we are, even at the edge of the Red Sea when the Egyptian army is coming up on them, says, you've brought us out here to die. They forgot who was actually on their side. God. Right after that Red Sea opening, you brought us out here to perish. We ain't got nothing to eat. God provided. Tested. Tried over and over again. That entire generation had to die and their children is the one who entered into the promised land. So therefore, if a promise of rest remains, why would we not keep Christ's commandments to abide in His love so as we can call Him our friend? So my question for you this morning, do you consider Jesus Christ your friend? If you said yes, can you prove it? Can you prove that Jesus Christ is your friend? Well, how am I supposed to do that? By our faithful observance to his commands. We kind of got a sneak peek of that this morning in our Bible class. If we're obedient to our, to our Heavenly Father's commands through Jesus Christ, if we're obedient to those, the world can see it. Folks should, should be able to see our Christianity just radiating from us. 
We should be at the drop of a hat ready to talk about Christ. Ready to be trying to turn, turn someone from their sinful ways. That should be us. For God is our God. And we are His people. We are His sheep. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. Do we consider Him as, as a friend? Or do we have God as an enemy this morning? I want you to look at yourself. Look at your life and look at the things that you have done. Do you have sinful things? that need to be forgiven? Are you an erring child of God? Have you yet to come to God through baptism by faithful observance to His Word as we turn away from those things, things that are displeasing in God's eyes? He forgives us if we have a true heart, if we weigh the options, and we say we're ready to serve our Heavenly Father. Have we stumbled? Have we fallen short? Do you need repentance this morning? Do you need baptism this morning? Do you need prayers of the church? Do you need encouragement? What a wonderful time to get things right in your life. Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?